I'm not gonna settle in this small little town I live in. I gotta, I gotta go explore the world. I gotta see how big the world is. Life don't revolve around you and what you want. Finding someone who looks cute on Instagram and gaining them a million followers is so easy to do. But what happens when they're 30? Because when they're not cute, it's game over. There's no longevity behind it. It is 10.06 p.m. I'm not famous right now. Hopefully I'll be famous soon. I'm just going to tell oh, you this. Yeah, guys. no, I'm sorry. I, I, I got distracted by that, that drawline. Start the show. Welcome to Cord Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love, when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Man, that's my secret cap. I was never cute. <laughs> I, don't, I don't got nothing to lose. I guess 20 years ago, I stopped being cute, according to that documentary. Uh, but that was uh, that was the trailer for what? Jawline? Yeah, Price? Jawline, a new Hulu mm-hmm. uh, original documentary. Oh, by the right. way, I'm Brian Brushwood. Running the knobs and dials is, is Bryce Castillo. That's right. And joining us is Raygun01 himself, Mr. Jason Howell. How are you, sir? Good, although I'm at this very moment realizing I could be Tom's brother. We're wearing the same thing. We have similar glasses on. It's We have the same microphone. It's, I'm actually uh, not sure which one of us I am right uh, now. No, there's, actually, there's uh, tr- little... <laughs> true fact, if you slightly cross your eyes, you become Hold in on. 3D. You become one oh, 3D oh. Uh, <laughs> Tom Jason. Oh my God. Oh, this is too much. I like to call this good audio bit. That was was good. Audio listeners, uh, just imagine a nice crossfade and you'll you'll get it. It was a a real life morph. Uh, hey man, so, uh, uh, yeah. Hey, what, what do you want to what do you want to do now, guys? I don't think we can talk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we've already peaked. We're we're much like yeah. the documentary Jawline. It's all downhill from here. What say we go ahead and exist, or at least try to do the primary target? Well, yeah, I'm it. sorry. Uh, so we I should have saved that for the end. I apologize. We got a bunch of Warner Media news uh, last week. AT and T's fastest growing division in Q2 was Warner Media. Thank goodness AT and T bought Warner Media. Because uh, otherwise they would add a crappy Q2 revenue gains from Warner Brothers, uh, Turner and HBO. Warner Brothers being the film studio, uh, Turner and HBO made up uh, the revenue gains for AT and T for the most part. Uh, HBO lost U.S. subscribers, but keep in mind that home box office includes HBO and Cinemax. Uh, so when they lost U.S. subscribers. Uh, that includes the Cinemax losses, and and they try they didn't break the numbers out, but they said, nah, the losses that's pretty much Cinemax, not HBO. Uh, however, home box office did gain in licensing revenue, uh, so that's good. HBO Max, as we know, will be launching in spring, and uh, Warner Media announced that. On October 29th, they will give you all the details. That'll be the big announcement day to tell you everything about how much it's going to be, what's going to be there at the beginning, what day is it going to launch exactly, all that stuff. Uh, That's two weeks before the launch of Disney+. Uh, The things that we do know about HBO Max so far, it will include live sports and news, though not at the early stages. Also, didn't say, when we say live sports, we mean all the NBA stuff you get on TNT. Didn't say that. So we don't know what live sports and news it might have. And it probably won't have that at launch, is what it sounds like. Uh, Variety reports HBO Max will have an original comedy called Delilah, uh, starring and executive produced by Jessica Roth. Uh, Kristen Milioti will star in an HBO Max series called Made For, 
uh, made for love based on the novel, which tells the story of a woman who flees her marriage to a billionaire who has implanted a chip in her head. It's a little bit of sci-fi there. Uh, also announced is a new Gossip Girl series, a second season of Doom Patrol, Dune the Sisterhood, an animated Gremlins prequel, Kaylee Cuoco's thriller The Flight Attendant, and Anna Kendrick's rom-com Love Life. And Casey Bloys, who's the president of HBO Programming, told Deadline that Cinemax will have originals through 2020, but he doesn't know what its future looks like. So taking that news from the earnings, taking that news from HBO Max announcements, it sounds like Cinemax might be on its way out long term, but they haven't quite decided what to do with it yet. Uh, Bloys also told the Television Critics Association that HBO will increase original programming next year from 150 hours to between 160 and 165 hours. That's already up from 100 hours two years ago. And Bloys said of HBO Max, it's not going to change anything that HBO decides to program or how we're going to program. And that last quote I included, Brian, because I know that's your big concern about HBO Max watering down the brand. Yeah, and and to be clear, I think it's a bad, bad idea. Uh, it, they, they call it line extension in marketing talk, where when a brand means you know everything, it means nothing. But out of everything you mentioned, the one that piqued my interest the, no the most is a premiere two weeks before Disney+. Plus. And it makes me wonder, it seems like the play is... We're going to hear a lot of thunder about uh, 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 right before, because, I mean, that's the thousand pound gorilla. I, at first, I was like, why would you even get that close to Disney Plus? And of course, the answer is because they don't have half the stuff they want. And the last thing they want to do is try to launch after Disney Plus. So they're going to get in right under the wire. Well, so but they are launching after Disney Plus. They're launching in the spring. Wait. Oh, I'm the, sorry. What was what was the two weeks before Disney Plus headline? It's just the announcement. Oh, Okay. Well, then in case October 29th, they're going to get up on stage and go, you know why you should save your money and not subscribe to Disney Plus in two weeks? Because this spring, you're going to want that money for this amazing stuff. <laughs> yeah. In that case, then then that's about the best you could hope for is about uh, at most a two weeks news cycle before all of a sudden Disney just dominates everything. But yeah. but meanwhile, now, uh, Jason, maybe I'm alone in this. I'm, I'm super annoyed about this HBO Max stuff because HBO, as we've talked about on the show, has always meant top quality programming. It's not TV, it's yeah. HBO, but now it's going to be top quality programming plus a lot of other crap that that is not top quality programming. Uh, are you are you excited about the idea of HBO plus more stuff, or uh, or or should they have called this something besides HBO Max? Well, yeah, I mean that's I guess the big question that I have is what is the differentiator right now? The big play it seems like with all of these uh, services that are moving to like you know the streaming brands online is original content. When I think of HBO, personally, I feel like its biggest strength has, has at least in the last 20, 25 years, has been its original content. So then for HBO to splinter off into this other brand and come up with high quality original content over there, it just really feels like, to me, it feels like they're trying to get their money in two different places when as an HBO fan, I would just want access to all of it. Maybe you get that with HBO Max. Have they said that everything, all of the original content from HBO is on HBO Max, then yep. would that make that the quintessential service? In that case, okay, but uh, it's it's kind of a uh, kind of tough to start paying a little bit more for all the great stuff you were already getting on HBO. Well, and, you know? and and to your concerns, uh, HBO is going out of their way to say, hey, 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 we're gonna have. 160 hours of programming just for us. We are not going to compromise on our stuff. If you just want to get HBO and our stuff, you can still do that. Uh, but then we have W. Scott S. One in the chat room who, you know, he's a smart guy, says, so wait, 
if there's an original for HBO Max, is it an HBO Max original or right. is it an HBO series? And the, and the answer is it's an HBO Max series. But if someone's out there saying I have an HBO Max series, a lot of the audience is just going to hear it's an HBO series. And then there's going to be confusion of like, well, that doesn't sound very good. Or I signed up for HBO. I don't see it. Where is the series I heard about? Oh, no. That's one of those things. That in the short term, line extension always sounds great. Uh, uh, Cadillac loves it when they, they reveal their $15,000 Cadillac. And for a brief while, everyone who aspired to have a Cadillac goes out and buys the $15,000 one. Likewise, all of the talent, all the producers, all the content creators will love touting that they have an HBO Max original series because they know most people will just hear the HBO. But then, of course, what happens is it degrades the brand and the brand means nothing, which brings me to the Cinemax thing. On the one hand, I totally understand the idea of Cinemax getting squeezed out. Uh, HBO. Uh, so in, in, in the days when I was a kid, there were four major premium uh, movie brands. There was Showtime, Movie Channel, Cinemax and HBO. Uh, uh, HBO was first to move into top quality originals. Showtime was behind it with weird programming like, you know, Bizarre and so on. Uh, then you had Movie Channel and uh, Cinemax. Uh, Movie Channel, I, I, am I right in remembering, isn't that where Joe Bob Briggs uh, started off with, with his movie commentary shows? Um, at the very, in general, the Movie Channel was just that. It was the place where we show movies. But yeah, it was just movies. Cinemax was sort of. Yeah, you're right. It was the movie channel. Okay, great. So and and uh, but uh, new movie channel is no longer with us in any incarnation. I don't think. Uh, but so we have Cinemax now that largely meant a fire hose of just more movies. So on uh, the, the one movie channel still exists as a brand under Showtime. It's owned by CBS. Okay, got it. Uh, so Cinemax was generally just more movies, which I understand that why that would go away in a streaming on demand world, but. Here's my crazy bid. If you already own it, Cinemax also means something else. It yes, meant it does. softcore booby movies on Friday nights. And, and isn't and, that a great differentiator for your online streaming company that's going toe to toe with other companies? HBO like, Max like, Max. Imagine this. You position <laughs> the Cinemax brand like HBO Max is for everyone. Cinemax isn't. And that's all you have to say. <laughs> Just enough to imply that there's stuff on Cinemax that maybe isn't for everyone. Now you've defined it as your own Pepsi to your own Coke, and then you get to continue to, to provide a different catalog, including some, some saucy softcore stuff. Because th there are people who would not ever go out and solicit or look up hardcore pornography. They would not subscribe because of either their family or their, their, their missus or whatever, but... I mean, we could all agree Cinemax is a fine station that maybe has some content that uh, is is worth adding for a dollar a month onto your HBO Max subscription. Uh, yeah, a lot of assumptions in there. A dollar a month is probably not the price point they could afford to do. Uh, it does sound to me like what they're trying to do is figure out what to do with Cinemax, whether it's that or something else, without killing it from bringing in the revenue that it does bring in. Uh, because even if it's not bringing in the revenue that it used to, it's still out there on hundreds of thousands of subscriptions yeah. and you don't kill it uh, and and just lose that money. Right. You you want to figure out how to continue to get that money from cable subscriptions. Uh, keep your partners in cable happy because that's also bringing people into their tent uh, and and at, figure out how to add it to your streaming uh, service in the future, which will end up replacing all of that. 
Uh, and I like your, your idea. Uh, I don't know if AT&T is going to feel comfortable doing that, uh, but maybe, maybe Warner Media will. And then the question is, is it an add-on to HBO Max, which already has the Max in the name, so that's also confusing, uh, or is it a standalone product that's separate, which I think if they go your route, Brian, that it benefits from being like, this is its own thing. Go right. over there and get it. Before before I ask you, Jason, just to, to yes. one more time double down on my pitch. Remember in the late 90s when there was a stigma to having Playboys in your house, but then Maxim quite appropriately figured out that, that we could have no stigma by not showing certain specific body parts? Uh, I, I that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at, that, that it's not, you know, it's not the other thing. It's Cinemax. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me that um, if, you know, when I think of Cinemax, you know, from and this is dated from a long time ago that, you know, when I had cable as a kid primarily and, you know, maybe in my 20s or whatever, Cinemax was that movie channel that I didn't really care about. But isn't it funny? The punchline Skinemax, because they show, you know, those those nudie films late at night on Fridays and Saturday nights or whatever their schedule was. So, I, I mean, I think from a brand perspective, sure, that makes sense it's recognizable but i agree with you tom i don't know how valuable that is in the long run or whether that's something that they really want to like double down on and say all right this is how we're defining cinemax did cinemax have any uh any like high quality originals like all of the other channels have have kind of transitioned into it has a lot of originals but they're just not high quality They, Uh... they, they aren't resonating in the same way I probably I, I'm trying to think if any have really caught people's eye. I mean, they have Jet and Warrior. The Nick is one that's getting a lot of buzz. Uh, it's in its second season. That, but yeah, uh, yeah. It, the, none of them have really caught on widely. I'm not saying they're not good. If you're the person out there, is like, no, you're you're underselling blah 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 that you love. Uh, they just they aren't discussed as widely as other things right. that's all whether, whether they're good or not it kind of doesn't matter if they're not getting the views then that is what carries the value of the brand and it kind of seems like it seems like what they're saying is we really don't know what our brand what you know what the value of cinemax is at this point we're willing to go in any well the value is carriage fees with cable companies that's what the value of cinemax is and they're trying to figure out how not to lose that and if right. there's anything else they can do with it. Uh, meanwhile, they're in trouble with their own carriage. DirecTV and UVerse lost 778,000 subscribers last month. Now, we all know that even satellite is losing subscribers these days as people move to streaming services. And, of course, AT&T has a play with HBO Max and HBO as a streaming service. However, DirecTV now also lost 168,000 subscribers last quarter. And that's supposed to be going the other way. That's supposed to be helping make up the difference. Uh, Over the past year, 2 million pay TV customers have left DirecTV and Uverse, and 469,000 subscribers have left DirecTV Now and AT&T Watch, the -the over-the-top services. So AT&T's answer is to test a new streaming service this autumn. Uh, they didn't give us any details, but they're going to add a fourth one uh, because why not just keep trying? Uh, and for comparison, Dish just announced their earnings, and Dish lost 31,000 satellite subscribers, not as many as DirecTV. Uh, 
And oh, I'm sorry, lost 31,000 net, 79,000 satellite subscribers, so not quite as bad as Direct TV, and gained 48,000 Sling TV customers, even while having a carriage dispute with HBO and also uh, now losing Fox Sports Networks uh, in the confusion as Fox Sports Nets are divested by Disney over the next 90 days. Is I, I, do, you, do, you, do either of you guys have a theory on why we're seeing these numbers go down just, just universally across the board? My theory is that AT&T really did an admirable job of marketing DirecTV now and getting a lot of people to get on board and try it uh, and improved its quality some, but not enough for people to keep it. No, no theory yeah. coming from me. Yeah. Hey, can I can I head off all of the emails that we're going to get at cordkillers at gmail.com? Because apparently one not one GD person in the room seems to understand my point about Cinemax. My point is uh, because because some people in the chat are like, I don't believe anyone. Uh, if you want porn, you're competing with free porn. I'm like, it's not porn. And then other yeah, people see, are that like, was the problem. We use that word porn and suddenly people can't hear anything else. It's a branding issue. We line extended our own conversation. So let's <laughs> let's roll this back. Uh, my my point is there is there is a spectrum of hardcoreness of titillation and there's also a spectrum of accept public acceptability and cinemax does occupy a unique place and and other people other people are pedantically saying like like yeah but they removed the the softcore stuff years ago that's my point is they should bring it back and they should realize that they have a generally widely accepted brand but also a reputation for much more adult programming so what they should do if they want to either if they want to make value out of the brand they should position however however far on that spectrum HBO Max goes Cinemax should go farther and you should know by looking at it that it's like, oh, that's more of a Cinemax thing than a HBO Max thing. And uh, but not so far as to be competing with hardcore pornography. Do any of right, you listen? Right. Do the, any of you that listen? That uh, you know, HBO's slogan has been uh, it's not TV, it's HBO. So immediately J.C. Calhoun and Lawn makes yes. almost at the same time typed. It's not porn. It's cinema. <laughs> yes. That's I mean, but but again, again, everybody's like, like, don't my whole point is you can't ever say it. You can't ever you can't say it the in word. public. No. You yeah. have to you have to winkingly intimate that there's a reason to keep Cinemax on your package. Get Cinemax on your package. That should be their little. <laughs> nyik, nyik, I don't uh, think that thing. one passes the sniff test the same Listen, way. Listen, we're going to workshop these ideas, but yeah. we need time and Skip we need following. money and a check. So please. Support us at patreon.com cord killers that we promise we'll figure this out for you. Uh, yeah, man. Head on over to patreon.com slash cord killers. Help keep us loud, live and independent. Uh, we desperately need your money more than ever right now. Both of us are, are, are continuing to build out new studios. And guess what? That takes money. And if you guys want to be part of our experience, please, please, please be one of our beautiful thousand, what, 1400? How many bosses we got these days? 1,328 bosses at patreon.com slash cord killers. Don't make us launch cord killers, Max. Come on. <laughs> patreon.com slash court let's move on to how to watch uh so one way not to watch is to subscribe to a television service that is getting blacked out by a local channel uh, a brief recap for those of you who have missed the many discussions about this in the united states a local broadcaster not a cable channel an over-the-air broadcaster can choose whether it's a must-carry channel or needs to be paid to be carried by cable or satellite. Must carry means the broadcaster informs the cable company, you have to carry us, and no money is exchanged. 
It's a way for uh, a broadcaster to make sure they're on cable where cable might have said like, mm, we're just not going to carry that channel. Why bother? Right. So smaller, low power broadcasters sometimes will use must carry because they'd rather have the viewership than not. The other route that most broadcast channels go is licensed. So you can't carry us unless you pay us for the privilege. So if they're not choosing must carry, they choose licensed. And when they can't agree on how much, the channels get dropped. Uh, sometimes the broadcaster will black out its its feed to the cable company. Sometimes the cable company will stop carrying it. Uh, but it's referred to as a channel blackout. And a record number, 230 channel blackouts have happened on cable and satellite systems in 2019 already. We're only seven months in, and we beat last year's record of 213. Uh, broadcasters, if you're wondering, collected $10.1 billion in retransmission fees in 2018. That's up from $9.3 billion in 2017, but they would like more, and so they're bargaining harder. Uh, the National Association of Broadcasters points out that AT&T and DISH have been involved in 85% of disruptions in the last few years. Uh, part of the reason for that is satellite providers don't have any other offering to make up the money in their territory. So they may be bargaining harder. DISH doesn't have a, a internet service at this point. And while AT&T does have an internet service, it doesn't have it in every region. And DirecTV, on the other hand, is in every region of the United States. Now, CBS is in a dispute right now with DirecTV and claims that it saw a dramatic spike in CBS All Access signups this uh, weekend ago, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, uh, as it is in a dispute in 14 markets, including New York and Los Angeles. Uh, my take on this is as the carriage money begins to dry up, uh, as fewer people are subscribing to these services, there are more and more fights to keep that number up, to even raise that number while they still can. When you say that number, do you mean the number of, of that that ten point one billion dollars in retransmission fees? They they want to they're fighting tooth and nail to keep that money coming in until they get enough people subscribing to CBS All Access or NBC Service or Disney Plus, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think the clue is in that dramatic spike bit, though. Like, think about this: every fight, every blackout. If I were CBS. I would aim to have a blackout every year because that is millions and millions of dollars of free advertisement where you and you get to constantly play the victim. Both sides play the victim, right? Cable right. companies run those things like well, CBS doesn't want you to have CBS. You got a problem? Talk to CBS. And then CBS gets to say, hey, man, they're being unreasonable. We're just you know, come on over to our house. We are having our own party. Thanks for contacting us. They don't want to pay for our stuff, but we'll sell it to you directly. Exactly. So I would I would think that this is just the the tip of the iceberg. I can't I can see no reason why CBS and and other like services wouldn't actively invest. I, I, the only reason I could think of not to do that is if test marketing shows that there's a significant risk of major blowback either from consumers or from uh, 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 literally the government. Because at some point you might be able to say like, hey man, you're really messing stuff up by institutionally I, doing this. Yeah. I would add to that. The other reason is you don't want to not ever get those carriage fees. You don't want to blow off DirecTV entirely. You want those carriage fees because you don't still don't have enough CBS All Access subscribers to make up the difference yet. So it's fine to bargain hard, 
but you don't want to bargain so hard that you just never get that money, right? You 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 want to come to an agreement. You just want to come to an agreement that keeps that retransmission fee rising. Right. But I would say if I was going to going to whisper some directives like, "Hey man, you know, a blackout fee or a blackout time of about a week per market per year seems to really help us out. So, you know, be aggressive, uh, be, yeah. be, be, aggressive enough to annoy them and maybe get a little no, bit of a blackout. Totally. And then that ends Use up being that good leverage, for us. you know, we'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. But don't but don't overdo it. But the right amount of pressure is is OK. Yeah. that I mean, that kind of ties in with what I how I feel about this. It feels like in an effort to hold on to, you know, hold on to customers or hold on to money or whatever through throughout all of these deals, it ends up just pushing people away because this is just a really great way to destroy your business, to have your content disappear. And you might think you're gaining something out of it, but in the long run, maybe you aren't. Um, does this affect satellite more than it does cable? Because I, of cable, cable kind of having I mean, the, it, the broadband you, aspect of things as well? Yeah, that's that's what the the data seems to say is that satellites having more of these disruptions because it has less leverage. Uh, right. It's like, man, we get all of our money from this, so we really need to keep these fees down. Uh, whereas a Comcast can say, like, eh, yeah, but we're making up the difference in broadband right. subscriptions, so you know, everywhere that we operate, uh, so that's fine. In fact, Comcast is even making deals. Uh, they want to make a deal with CBS All Access to sell CBS All Access on the Xfinity boxes. So Comcast is fine. Uh, that, you know, they, not that they won't have blackouts, not that they won't play hardball sometimes where they think it makes sense, but they've, they've got more fallbacks. Uh, direct TV has some fallbacks dish doesn't really like dishes right. dish. They're not owned by anybody else. And all they got is the dish stuff. Yeah. And, uh, man, I, I, I wish I could think of any way to break this pattern, but it just seems like there's going to be more and more and more of these because there's a profit motive, uh, certainly on the side of the. Uh, channel owners and uh, and there's going to be once you find that breaking point they're going to step exactly one foot over that line and dish is going to have to be like we, we can't we can't afford to pay that much so we're going to have to we're going to have to black you out because the old the old leverage was well we'll get all of our subscribers to use our over the air signal because again these are broadcast channels they have over the air signals uh but then you would see dish doing the same thing like great uh we won't pay you for anything and we'll give free antennas to all our dish subscribers and that benefits us too so that leverage isn't as good as well shoot uh, we'll get, we'll, we'll promote CBS all access and not only get people to continue to be able to watch CBS, but keep the money, uh, and get more money per subscriber than we would have through dish. Yeah. Uh, does, does it, I don't know what it's like because we've given up cable and satellite so long ago, but I, I, it's hard. I remember being very fired up over those kind of things 20 years ago. It's hard for me to imagine getting fired up now, but I think that's another aspect of this. That's a really good point is, uh, neither side really wanted these things to drag on when the entire market was up in arms. Right. But nowadays, People are like, well, I guess I'll just watch Netflix, right? Like yeah. you don't have as much customer anger out there. Uh, and and you probably see this with CBS more because, well, CBS has an, has an alternative. Yeah, Hulu is the alternative for NBC, Fox, and ABC right now. And certainly uh, uh, Fox and NBC don't want to promote Hulu when Disney owns it. Uh, because, again, we're talking about the Fox that's not owned by Disney is the broadcaster that's on Hulu. So until they all have their own uh, – alternative, you'll see CBS, I think, 
negotiating a little harder. But it'll be interesting to see once they all have theirs up and running, once Hulu is really felt to be the alternative uh, for ABC subscribers, if you see this happen more often. Well, folks, it is time to talk about what to watch in Under Surveillance. I like this It's all about location, location, Under Surveillance. Got lots of interesting things here. Amazon announcing some of the production team making its Lord of the Rings series. Bruce Richmond, Gene Kelly, and Jason Cahill. You might know them as folks who worked on Game of Thrones, Boardwalk Empire, The Sopranos, respectively. Uh, consulting producer Brian Cogman. If you watched any of those Game of Thrones documentaries last season, you saw Brian Cogman. Uh, producer Jennifer Hutchinson uh, comes from Breaking Bad. And Stranger Things' Justin Doble is executive producing. So, granted, all-star teams don't always win the gold medal, but they're certainly trying to create an all-star team to produce Lord of the Rings for Amazon. Yeah, man, I I still can't get over it. It was what, what was it, a hundred and fifty million dollars they play, paid just for the words <laughs> Lord of the Rings, just to use the appendix <laughs> to Lord of the Rings. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 are are you excited about a non canonical non Hobbit uh, uh, story? I think it's canonical, but, but it's non mainline story. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Not like n none of the uh, uh, you know the first two trilogies that we've seen. Yeah, yeah, right. I am not like Lord of the Rings super fan, let's say. I enjoyed the movies, uh, although I didn't see any of the Hobbit movies. I, I That's why you enjoyed the movies. Okay, all right, good. <laughs> At least I'm on the right the right page. Maybe if I had watched those, I'd feel a little bit differently about this. But as far as I'm concerned, there's so much great content right now. Amazon's actually putting out some pretty good content right now. They've got a lot of, of, of you know, great names with good backgrounds working on this. I'm willing to give it a shot. I'm also ready to be disappointed. JC uh, Calhoun exactly and, and, represents my fears. And in the chat, he says, all Tom Bombadil all the time. It was not my favorite. Uh, well, thankfully, uh, Tom Bombadil uh, take. well, you know, I was about to say he takes place in the Lord of the Rings main story, but he's been around for a long time. He sure. could certainly fit him in. The God, oh, my God. They're going to do that, aren't they? Ah! But then they'll get like a. Like Lin Manuel Miranda and to to write the music for it, and all movie. all of a sudden I well, love it. Both of you are happy now. <laughs> all right. Uh, Amazon will release a two hour musical on September twenty seventh to end the series. Transparent. Jeffrey Tambor's character Mara, spoiler, will have suddenly died, and the movie will show how the family deals with their grief. Yeah. Of course, this follows on from Jeffrey Tambor uh, having some controversy about his relationships with other uh, actors uh, and 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 being caustic uh, and, and considered toxic in some uh, accusations. And it's a way to end what is a beloved Amazon series uh, without having to have Jeffrey Tambor in the end. I... So they didn't have a full season without Jeffrey Tambor, the way no. Netflix kind of pivoted I, away from Kevin No, Spacey, no. It, right? This yeah, is exactly. just the end. It's like, oh, well, now he's dead and let's all sing. Yeah, didn't see that coming. Yeah, <laughs> like, didn't, did not see that The musical that part or the not Jeffrey Tambor? Yeah, no, no, I mean, the not Jeffrey Tambor, we knew. But but it's like, I assumed yeah. that there's already been a blueprint for this. Remember, um, uh, how was it? Was it Valerie Bertinelli? Was that her name? Valerie? And she was like, uh, the, the show's called Valerie. What are you going to do? Fire me? And then they did. And then they called it Valerie's Family. And then a year later, and in fact, Jason Bateman was on that show, if you remember. Then a year uh, a year after that, or a year, two years, they were like, you know what? It's We'll call it the Hogan Family. And it oh, right. did fine, right? So it's yeah. like, but that that sort of implies to me that maybe there is just a general lack of interest 
from the entire cast of like, do we want to do that or do we just want to put a button on this? Right. If we if we're not going to tell Mora's story for whatever reason, uh, uh, is it worth continuing to try to hack that out? And apparently they decided not to. Um, Valerie Harper. That was her name. Thank you. Not the lifetime. Valerie Harper, not Valerie Bertinelli. We apologize to Valerie Bertinelli and her family for the confusion. <laughs> and, and Bertinelli's everywhere. Oh, you yeah. know, actually, is is Sandy Duncan around? We could just replace Mara with uh, <laughs> Sandy Duncan like they did. Uh, Amazon has moved its movie The Aeronauts, which will star Eddie Redmayne and Felicity Jones, from coming to theaters October 25th to coming to theaters December 6th. However, its theatrical window will now be two weeks not the normal 90 days, which Amazon usually follows. So you'll be able to watch The Aeronauts on Prime Video on December 20th. The original start date included a one-week IMAX commitment. We don't know if that still applies or not at this point, but The Aeronauts was shot in IMAX, so that'll be interesting to watch. But uh, interesting move, too, to see Amazon moving towards Netflix. As Netflix loosens up and starts to do theatrical windows, we see Amazon tightening theirs. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, I guess just the seal's been broken and we can, when, when, when do, do the streaming services just, have they won? They're, they're going to, we're going to get closer and closer to day and date across the board. Well, it'll be interesting to see how many theaters pull out of air, of showing the aeronauts. Uh, I'm sure every theater was willing to have some showings of it when it was a 90 day window. I imagine most of them, AMC, Regal, all of them will not do this out on a two week window. They didn't with Roma. Uh, so I, I'm curious about that. And the IMAX commitment is a big part of that when it was shot in IMAX, but Amazon must have decided, yeah, you know what? The will out there is weak enough. Uh, and the amount of money we would make on this is small enough that it will be better to push for award season closer to nominations in December and put it right on prime video where everybody can watch it and start buzzing about it. At least that's and there's no way that shortening a theatrical run might be an indication of, oh, wait a minute, maybe we have a turd on our hands. No, 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 not in this case. Definitely not. I, I would, uh, I would this is, so. Yeah, this is them this wanting to get awesome. an Oscar. So I, I don't I don't think it's that at all or they wouldn't they they would just be moving it totally out well, uh, yeah. of, of the award season. Window. Keep in mind, if if in those first two weeks you have, you know, lots of really good Rotten Tomatoes reviews and so on, then all of a sudden the live streaming version becomes essentially uh, everybody's screener to get excited and, about. Yeah. for the for the Oscars. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Carlton Cuse, you might know him as one of the producers of Lost and Amazon's Jack Ryan series, is teaming up with Jason Fuchs, who was the writer on Wonder Woman, to adapt The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy for Hulu. Uh, and how, how, do, how do hardcore fans feel about this? <laughs> because, I mean, Hitchhiker's nervous? Guide to the Galaxy has had a very rocky history. In, we in probably need to head line. down to the pub and have a beer and some peanuts. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah, I I I uh I like the idea of having another version to show my younger kids, but I didn't hate the movie as much as some other people did. And me either. I'm I'm also that's a song I've heard a lot. I've heard that song a few times. Well also a series means yeah. that you're not depend I mean the problem with the movie is that there's no second movie. Uh, I mean, a right. problem with the movie is that that's not the whole story. And at least a series, you can chapterize it and try to tell a more complete story. Right. Well, and the book was based on the radio series. Mm -hmm. It was it was the whole thing was imagined as a series from the beginning. Uh, and the television series that the BBC did uh, very much followed the radio scripts quite closely. 
but only did The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Restaurant at the End of the Universe. So we have two other books in the ever increasingly misnamed trilogy uh, on, well, I guess, three other books on top of that uh, that were never even touched. So if they can do it right, and I actually have a lot of respect for Carlton Cuse, uh, I'll I'll be overjoyed if somebody makes a really great version of this. So Because, yeah, I've heard the song before, but... I heard it a long time ago and I heard it in not the perfect way. And so this, I mean, if it could be like Dirk Gently. Yeah. I was about was, to say, I'm much more receptive to this after having experienced Dirk Gently and really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, and finally, his dark materials will adapt the trilogy of Philip Pullman books across three seasons for BBC and HBO. Previously, the BBC said it had been thinking about five, uh, but the reason given was the age of the child actors. They're like, hmm, by the fifth season, they'll be close to their 20s. Uh, so that's not going to work. Uh, we're going to try to to do this with a season per book. And there are three books. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that, that doesn't mean they've greenlighted all three seasons, by the way. That just means that if they keep making them, they'll make them in three seasons. Yeah, but, but you know how it goes. It's like you want to begin with the ending in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. A uh, bunch of other notes here. Hulu's going to launch all seven seasons of Designing Women on August 26th uh, in advance of a new Designing Women series coming to ABC. Amazon has renewed Carnival Row for a second season. And no, it hasn't launched yet. Our Carnival Row comes to Amazon August 30th. Hulu series Wu-Tang and American Saga comes to Hulu with the first three of 10 episodes September 4th. Netflix's production of The Irishman from Martin Scorsese will open the New York Film Festival on September 27th. Amazon has renewed The Expanse for a fifth season. And no, we haven't got season four yet. That's coming to Prime Video December 12th. Stars announced that Outlander season five has been pushed off until early 2020 due to programming schedule concerns. Hulu has renewed the fourth season of The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, Quibi has picked up When the Lights Go On, a series that was piloted at Hulu back in 2016 and has been looking for a home. Epix is developing a TV show called Rocket Men about the Apollo 8 mission to the moon in 1968. And Netflix canceled the animated series Tuca and Bernie after one season. Uh, it starred Tiffany Haddish and Ali Wong. What do you guys think? Anything? Uh, no? No? I, I mean, that's that's a lot. I, I think it's really interesting, the Quibi thing, uh, having been piloted over at Hulu. It makes me, I mean, if they have a sketch, if they have episodes, they probably sat down and were like, how can we divvy these into smaller one-act chunks? And uh, it'll be interesting. I, w I would love to know how the current scripts uh, or ideas have to be changed. Get to chunked. Fit. Yeah, it's yeah. the first thing I thought of, too. I was like, mm, that's an interesting thing. All right, let's talk about what we've had our eyes on, something you watched recently that you love, Jason. Uh, well, I know it's not new to most everyone else, but I'm really behind when it comes to my schedule of watching things. And, uh, I, uh, finally, probably like a month or two ago showed our family on, on movie night, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Were, were you we prepared really for how good it was? Cause I was not at all prepared. Um, I knew that it was animated and I knew that it was, you know, superhero and we, we really haven't watched any superheroes. Like I, as a kid, I was not into comic books or anything. So I don't have that, like that nostalgic drive to watch comic book movies. And my kids are still relatively young, six and nine years old. Um, so we hadn't really explored any of the superhero movies, but this one, 
just kind of had a cool art style to it. So I was like, oh, well, why don't we watch this and see how it goes? And we were floored. Like as a family, we were blown away. It was amazing. Suddenly I'm like, all right, let's watch all the comic book movies, you know? Um, and I realized there are better ones, there are worse ones, but I was just really impressed. Like it was just so well done and the art was amazing and the story, like I've seen it, we've seen it three times now. We loved it. Yeah. Yeah, it, man. Uh, that's that. Uh, welcome. Welcome. To the club. We're happy to have you. We're glad I'm, you made I'm it. I'm home. Uh, yeah. Do I do I touch on other things at this yeah, point? Yeah, uh, you know what? I actually wanted to ask you about friends from college because it says you're super bummed about cancellation. Yeah, and I then this is kind of somewhat old news, but um, I was just a really big fan of that show on Netflix. It's one of their originals. It only lasted two seasons. And they announced that it was canceled probably a month and a half, two months ago. And I just I just loved the sen- the like the the humor in it. I thought it was just a really great story, and the fact that they canceled it really bummed me out. Uh, when, when I heard about this, I guess this was back in May, but, um, yeah, a lot of really great actors. Fred Savage is in there. Um, hmm. I don't know. Uh, pretty bummed about that. All right. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, is yeah, it worth watching if somebody knowing Absolutely. that it got canceled? All right. Absolutely. Totally worth watching. Watch both seasons. I thought they were hilarious. Brian, both of us watched the boys this weekend. Uh, my, ex- my experience was my wife saying, Hey, do you want to try watching the boys on Amazon? And I was like, Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Let's take a look. And then just being sucked in until we finished it on Sunday. What about you? There was uh, my favorite part of watching the boys was the sort of delicate between the lines dance in our text message thread where it's like, uh, uh, Oh, something, something. And it was like, I'm on, uh, I, anyway, I'm on episode three and five. Did you and then- see the concert? Yeah. Mm, no, I'm with the, the plane, but then trying to be like, that's not spoilery, right? Like, it, it, well, because none of us knew how far the other one was. But at some point, it became unspoken and agreed that we were binging the entire thing and that we would we would be discussing all of it. Uh, spoiler alert on our spoilering. Uh, I think it's safe to say we both liked it. Uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I definitely had a good time watching that. And of course, we both watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which we'll also talk about in spoiler time. Yeah, although I that will be a spoiler what we think about that. I really right. want to see them. You should. Uh, and well, then you should all come to Los Angeles and we'll all go to Casa Vega for margaritas and it'll be great. <laughs> all right, Bryce, what should we be on the lookout for? Hey, we got a recommendation for the kids. Amar writes, hey, killers, I'd like, a rec- like to recommend the kids show Summer Camp Island. The elevator pitch is that an innocent and shy anthropomorphic elephant named Oscar is sent with his best friend Hedgehog, who is a hedgehog, to Summer Camp Island over the summer. Little do they know, it's a completely magical island where yetis are real, clouds talk, trees warn you not to wander into the woods, and marshmallows cry when you eat them. Also, the camp counselors are witches. It's an unusually mellow and wholesome show, as well as hilarious. The bad news is that I know of, the only way to watch it without cable is either Sling TV or Piracy. Season 2 is already underway, so I'm not sure if it will hit streaming services, but I am holding out hope. Sincerely, Amar. Thanks, Amar. Yeah, Summer Camp Island is a Cartoon Network show, and it's streaming on their CN Video app, which is on Android, Apple, Amazon, Roku devices. It's on some of the TV devices, too. Um, But you do need a cable authentication to unlock the library. But it does look like you get the entirety of the show and like all the other Cartoon Network stuff. So uh, check that out if you got kids, the CN video app for your devices and your TVs. Yeah, I think Cartoon Network is available on PlayStation View, or at least it used to be. I don't know. I haven't I haven't checked in yeah, on that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Sh- I guess yeah. the, the question is if the CN video app accepts the PlayStation View 
authentication. Yeah, PlayStation but... View has got universal coverage for the most part on, yeah, those, on those logins. Yeah, yeah. it is on it's View. It's pretty good. Yep. Yeah, so uh, check that out if you've got uh, uh, an over-the-top. Or like you said, uh, a Sling TV uh, has it too. If you got something we should be on the lookout for, email us, cordkillers at gmail.com. Now, cordkillers can't yet support everything Brian and I want to do, so you got to do this. Brian, tell them what they do. <laughs> you know what? Uh, one of the biggest things uh, that you could do is is head on over to gimme.scamstuff.com. That's G-I-M-M-E. There is only one I in gimme. Gimme.scamstuff.com. We do a giveaway of some loot from our online store, Scam Stuff, uh, every single week. Uh, and along with that, uh, I'll hit you up on email. And we've got some really exciting stuff coming up. Uh, some products that have been out of rotation are coming back. So all you people who emailing me about certain things uh, get ready for some news also we got some new uh, exclusive t-shirt designs and if you want to hear all about it yeah, oh plus lately uh i've wanted to and I, I don't know if this is too inside baseball but you know it just like the youtube algorithm it matters your click-through rate same thing for uh, uh emails like like if if nobody opens your emails then then all the email services think that it's spam so in order to get people more accustomed to opening emails i've been just giving away like a uh, uh, free digital downloads that are normally in fact like you know as much as forty dollars i'll just be all like who's cool you're cool <laughs> like uh, uh, open my emails give me dot stuff.com it's always very awesome. weird when i get those emails it's like hey bryce it's brian brushwood here <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. CBS All Access is now available as an Apple TV channel. Uh, you can only get the $10 a month subscription. That's the one that's ad free. So if you want the cheaper $6 All Access subscription with the ads, you have to go through the All Access app for that. Apple TV channels, if you remember, also let you watch from within the television app on iOS and Apple TV and provides downloadable versions for offline viewing. That seems fair enough. Like knowing that they're eating that, uh, that 30% uh, Apple cut. Like I, if I were, if I were them, I wouldn't want to do a $6 version supported by ads. Yeah. They probably didn't need the complication of supporting two different subscriptions in, in the, in the channels system either. So yeah, it makes sense. NBC will provide a 20-minute Olympic show to Twitter along with limited live coverage and other highlights during the 2020 Tokyo Games. Twitter users will be asked to vote on which athlete or even uh, or, or event they would like to see live on Twitter. NBC worked with Snapchat for the 2018 Winter Games. Uh, I, 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 I had a... Um, Oh, no, that's neither here nor there. Sorry, I, I had a, a side jag that I was thinking about just the way Twitter does their live stuff and how increasingly I'm seeing the representation of, of, of the hearts and smiley faces and all that stuff. And I was thinking about what games I would like to see that in as well. Water polo. Well, yeah, like, could you imagine, like, like you're watching it and all of a sudden, you know, somebody does a dive and just all the hearts explode or all the or all the oh, no faces or whatever. Like, I, I, I yeah. would kind of dig that. Also, uh, the fact that they moved uh, from Snapchat to Twitter, I think, is really good news for Twitter. And I don't think it's bad news for Snapchat. Snapchat's demo probably doesn't watch the Olympics. Uh, it's probably That's worse probably news for NBC that that demo doesn't watch the Olympics than it is for Snapchat. Yeah. Amazon Studios. Gen oh, sorry, Jason, you were going to say? No, no, no. I was just I think you're right. You are Amazon always Studio right. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Not always. Trust me. Amazon Studios' Jennifer Salk told the Television Critics Association, we'll talk about the success of our shows and single out shows that are overperforming, but we have yet to embrace a strategy across the company. 
where we get out with actual numbers. Remember, this is Amazon saying, we're not going to start giving out numbers even like Netflix is. Talked, uh, she also added, we're not in the volume business. We're in the curating business of bringing individual shows. Amazon's Albert Chang, who was also on a panel, said the company takes creators through metrics about show performance, so he's not hiding it from the creators, just hiding it from the public. Salk claimed the most successful shows in Amazon's history have been released over the past year, mentioning Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, Good Omens, Hannah, season two of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and Homecoming. Uh, Jason, are you, are you in favor of, of people putting out their numbers of downloads and all that stuff? Because we, we've talked about on the show, like the only reason that they used to do that is to so advertisers would know. But now it's like for some reason we all just feel entitled to those numbers. But on the flip side, like I think you could directly point to YouTube's success with the social proof of how many views different shows have gotten. Taking that paradigm from YouTube and applying it to like Netflix and Amazon, that feels that feels like pulling open the curtain just a little bit too wide. I can understand why they might not want to do that. I don't know what the differentiator, though, is between a platform like YouTube thriving in that environment. Maybe it's the fact that the content there is user generated and people who upload and submit their own content really want others to know. You know, these companies don't have a whole lot of, of, of need to share this. Oh, they that's just interesting. have to have great shows that keep the company afloat. So if you were king of the internet, would you say all numbers should be given to me and the internet or or that uh, all numbers <laughs> should be secret? Would I prefer to have numbers yes. from Netflix and Amazon? I'd sure be interested in it. So yeah, why not? But they're not good. I, I know what, Jason, I think you're making a really good point. YouTube doesn't care if a channel is successful or not. So they, they're like, yes, Hunger Games. Everyone compete in public with each other and the best man wins meaning us we win because <laughs> somebody gets we lots of best. views and we roll in the ad revenue on it whereas yep. netflix and amazon are all they're like we paid for all of these so yeah. we don't want one of them to lose uh it's it's not a competition uh, we don't want people to not watch something because it's not got a lot of views so we're going to hide that that's a really good way to put it uh comcast announced that nbc streaming service will launch in april 2020 it'll be free and and ad supported for comcast and sky subscribers uh and for a monthly fee to others the office will come to the surface uh, service in 2021 although i like the idea of it coming to the surface as well just gasping for yeah air. we'll surface on nbc NBC streaming service uh, in 2021. Oh, there we are. It's so good. Yeah. Comcast uh, uh, going to be launching their NBC streaming service at the same time uh, AT&T's launching HBO Max. Mm. And we still don't know also, a name for the Also, it's NBC really launch. interesting that Comcast is giving, and we talked about it before, I know, but giving this away to their subscribers with ads, I know, but saying like, hey, you know what? What's great about being an Xfinity subscriber? We just give you the, we don't make you choose. We don't make you pay for a new service. Take it. Here. It's free. Enjoy. Yeah. Watch an ad. <laughs> Amazon TV co-head Vernon Sanders would like to make a second season of Good Omens if Neil Gaiman agrees. This this feels like, dare I say it, Gaimansmanship. Oh. Are you, are you, you get one pun oh. per, per front line. You did this last week, Tom. You did this last week. Uh, that's why I said, dare I say it again. Uh, <laughs> Sanders told the TCA... We're finding that it just takes a little time, perhaps in the case of Neil, but whatever he wants to do, we're interested in. Gaiman and Terry Pratchett plotted a sequel to the book that was never finished. Gaiman seems to indicate he'd rather not uh, make another one, but hey, Amazon's like, yeah, but 
We could make so much money if you did. That seems like a really manipulative quote. I, mm. I, I don't like that. Did not play well with this audience of one Brian Brushwood. I think that was uh, that was that, that was dirty too. Pool. It did not play well with me either. Yeah, I mean, and he's not wrong. And like, I love Good Omens, but but he's got very legitimate uh, personal reasons to not want to, you know, uh, accept another bank vault of money. Uh, so yeah, that was dirty pool. PBS will bring as many local live channels as possible, along with PBS Kids, to YouTube TV. This is PBS's first digital TV partnership. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So if you're a, a donate, if you donate to your local PBS station, uh, not in all cases, but in most cases, you'll get access to the PBS app where you can watch things on demand, but you don't get the live local broadcast. This would be the first time that PBS has done that with a streaming service. Very cool. That's a good good inclusion. Uh, yeah. I'm happy to see them uh, moving in that direction. Also, because if I'm going to hop onto one of the streaming services online for a month, which is usually how I how I use those things, like oh, there's this thing that I want it for. I pay for a month and then I'm I'm done. Uh, YouTube TV is the the one I I seem to go for. So yeah. Well, I, and now like you got that. more kids programming too. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, finally, a public service message: Ultraviolet shuts down Wednesday, July thirty-first. So make sure you keep your account hooked up uh, to at least one provider here in the U.S. That's Fandango now, or Vudu, or both, uh, until after July thirty-first to keep your movies. If you're listening to this after July thirty-first, doesn't already. matter. It's already gone. So you're too late. Yeah, sorry. Really, there's uh, uh, no recourse there. It's just like gone and oops. Well, too bad. Well, no. Yes, exactly. There's no recourse wow. if you if you didn't connect it to a service. But again, yeah, you had to connect it to, to a service at some point at the beginning. It's only if that service went out of business and you never connected it to a new service. They've been emailing people oh, constantly for yeah, months. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's really no, no. I don't think there's much of an excuse for not being aware this was happening. So, you know, we've right. got a couple more right. days. Um, well, two more days. So there you go. Let's get to the dispatches from the front. Uh, Tim wanted to point out, because we've been talking about streaming video coming from your library on uh, services like Canopy and Hoopla, that Overdrive is a library service that some public libraries subscribe to, uh, especially if they can't afford the fees of Hoopla or Canopy. Uh, Overdrive has apps for iPhones and Android phones, as well as tablets and iPads. It does not have a streaming video app for TVs the way that Hoopla and Canopy do. Uh, but you can get streaming video for it and watch it on your tablet or your phone. And you can check out details about it at overdrive.com. It's a partnership of Rocketon with public libraries that, as Tim says, can't afford Canopy or Hoopla. Can I, can I confess something embarrassing? It never occurred to me that uh, libraries have to pay for that stuff. Uh, in my imagination, there's, uh, you know, libraries have so much goodwill. I, I thought of it in terms of, oh, I bet a lot of people donate stuff and that's how stuff happens. No, they have to, they have to pay for those licenses, just like they have to pay for computers and internet service and, and, and all brand of that new stuff. books. And, yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, I use an app that's made by, I don't understand the difference. There's overdrive and then there's Libby by overdrive. And I use the app called Libby on Android and it's, it's the same thing. You know, you can check out audiobooks, uh, check out, you know, eBooks, all that kind of stuff. Magazines. Nice. Uh, really great app. Very cool. Uh, I use Hoopla because I live in a fancy city that can afford Hoopla. 
Well, something, something, all this hoopla. Uh, uh, Bill near Athens, Georgia, wrote in about uh, Brent Spiner's appearance in the Picard trailer, suggesting that it could be B-4, B-4. He summarizes a summary, which basically, uh, what, I I never saw Nemesis, Tom. I guess I just rewatched Star Trek Nemesis this week after the Picard trailer. B-4 shows up early in the movie and is kind of a, uh, he's a broken, simplistic version of Data. Uh, and spoiler, at the end of Nemesis, Data sacrifices himself for the greater good, but B4 is still there. And earlier in the movie, Data had downloaded all his memories into B4, but they didn't seem to take yet. So there you go. Yeah, that could totally be B4 in the card trailer. Thank you, Bill. Uh, and then finally, we got a really good email, and we'll include the full thing in the show notes from Dan. Uh, he said, I wanted to weigh in on the Netflix decision to cut the suicide scene from 13 Reasons Why. I spent four years working with teenagers who were at high risk for harming themselves, and on top of that, I am a survivor of two suicide attempts. So I have some thoughts on suicide that might be valuable to some. I'm actually fine with the decision that Netflix made, but hope it didn't send the wrong message. This is a sensitive topic, so I think I'll boil it down to two thoughts. One, talking about suicide is fine. More often than not, good. Two, depicting it is bad. And he's got uh, so, some more detailed reasons about why that is. Uh, but essentially, seeing someone do it successfully makes it easier to think about killing yourself, whereas just discussing the idea of suicide more often than not leads to people thinking about it more critically and and hopefully deciding against it. So he thinks it was a good decision for Netflix to not depict it anymore, but that the series as a whole, it sounds like, is probably a good idea because it makes people discuss it and talk about it. Yeah, thank you so much for sending that in, Dan. And thank you so much, Jason Howell, for joining us. Uh, if folks want to find out more of what you got on, going on, where should they go? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm, I'm keeping real busy at Twit these days. Twit.tv slash TNW for Tech News Weekly. Twit.tv slash AAA for All About Android. Doing a number of shows. Uh, yeah, just having a great time. So I guess find me there. Or you can find me on Twitter. Just look for Jason Howell on Twitter. No more Reagan01 for me, unfortunately. It redirects. So. Oh, you, so you, you're now Jason Howell. You're just Jason yeah, Howell. I mean, I, I mean, I've been there for a while, but I will always have a, a place in my heart. Oh, for they grow up so fast. I know. Yeah, Someday see? I'll grow up on Twitter. We'll yeah, see. whatever. A C E D T E C T. Yeah, you got <laughs> it. That's right. <laughs> you guys, I love doing shows with you, and I've missed you. Thank you so much for bringing me on. Heck great yeah, oh, man. Thank you so much for coming back and, and being on the show. It's fantastic. And uh, I, I hope we don't go so long between appearances next time. Absolutely. Let's make it happen. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash nightattack. Also carried on diamondclub.tv Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll talk to you again next week. Hey, guys. Brian and Tom here, and it's just the same old message at the end of the credits, just like always. That's right, Brian. Nothing new here except your name showing up. Oh, my gosh. Because I've you got a just name. supported us on Patreon. Yeah, all those $5 donors. Look at that. That's your name in pixels. We're going to make you famous, kid. Put your There's name in pixels on the internet. names in there, but some of you are new. Some of you aren't there. It's sad. What can they do, Brian? I mean, they could go to patreon.com slash cordkillers and pledge $5 an episode and be one of these amazing people, like this be one. Amazing. Oh, look at look at that name right there. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>